Um, hello, everybody in Kiora. So in today's webinar, uh, we will provide an overview of the whole of government, New South Wales movement and place framework. We have more than 600 people registered for today's session. Welcome to you all and thanks for joining us. My name is Ekaterina. I'm the Communications Officer at Austroads, and I will be moderating today's session together with Amy Knowles. Amy is the Austroads uh, Transport Network Operations Program Manager. She will moderate the Q&A at the end of the webinar. I would like to acknowledge the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting today. I pay my respect to all this past, present and emerging. I also acknowledge the Treaty of Waitani and Māori as the original people of New Zealand. A little bit about Austroads. Uh, we are the collective of Australasian transport and traffic agencies, and our focus is to support our member organisations to deliver an improved road transport network. This webinar was brought to you by the Transport Network Operations Programme, which is managed by Amy Knowles. A bit of housekeeping, um, our presenters will speak for 40 minutes and then we will have a Q&A session for 15 minutes. Uh, we have a few handouts for you today. You can download them by clicking on the document icon on your sidebar, which you will find on the right-hand side of your screen. To send us your questions for the Q&A, please use the question icon on that sidebar. Um, also, let us know if you have any technical problems, but just a quick tip, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, the issue is most likely with your internet connection. So leaving the session, closing the browser and rejoining the webinar using your registration link usually helps. Um, this session is being recorded and we will let you know when the recording is available um, on our website. If you listen to podcasts, uh, you can also find Austroads in your podcast app. So it gives me a great pleasure to introduce our presenters for today. We will first hear from Ben Sebulak. Ben is the manager uh, movement and place at Transport for New South Wales. He has been involved in the development of the um, New South Wales movement and place framework since 2015 and has worked with uh, transport professionals to implement the framework at all stages from strategic planning to operations. Our second presenter is Gareth Collins. Gareth is the Director, Urban Design, Roads and Waterways for Transport for New South Wales. Gareth has worked in transport in New South Wales for the last 20 years, um, involved in many projects, um, including the uh, Pacific Highway upgrades, the bus, transitways, maritimes projects, uh, the Sydney motorways, and many bridges um, around the state. And our third guest is Arian Renson. Arian is the Director um, Roads and Traffic Engineering for Transport for New South Wales, responsible to drive uh, best practice within the roads and transport um, engineering disciplines for New South Wales customers um, and communities. So welcome to all our presenters uh, and over to you, Ben. Great, thank you very much, Katrina. And today is um, a, a very uh, auspicious day at, um, in, in New South Wales because um, this is the day, or well, yesterday actually, that we published um, the latest addition to the New South Wales Movement in Place Framework, uh, which is the design of roads and streets. And that's what we'd like to unpack uh, with you today. Um, so thank you for the acknowledgement of country um, and I'd like to extend that um, by recognising that uh, New South Wales itself is made up of many different nations. The colours on this map uh, represent all the nations um, in, in this state and the, the white lines and the orange lines, they're the, they're the transport corridors of today, um, but they've been linking together um, the nations uh, for thousands of years and have been the song lines for thousands of years. So for thousands of years in this state, people have understood the deep connections between movement and place and how they support each other. And that's really what the framework um, in New South Wales, the movement and place framework is, is all about. Uh, so if we have a look at any part of this state, um, and this is probably one of the most iconic parts looking at um, Sydney Harbour, um, we notice that it's made up of many different places um, itself. Uh, and uh, what we'd like to say is, is that everywhere has place qualities. Even one of our most important transport assets, the Sydney Harbour Bridge that you see in this photo, um, is also a very important place. And if we uh, have a look at an aerial photo of um, any urban area in this state, doesn't matter if it's uh, 
um, a small town like Gurry in, in Western New South Wales or a suburb like this um, in, in Greater Sydney. And we, um, and we take away all the privately owned land. So we take away all, the, um, all the, the houses and we just focus on the public space. We find that about 80% of that public space is made up of transport. So um, it could be the roads or the streets or the car parking um, that we dedicate to public space or even the rail corridors that you see on this, on this aerial photo here. So as transport practitioners, which is what we all are, we are actually the biggest place-making uh, profession that this state has. I'm sure most of you never thought of it that way. And so the movement in place framework is about understanding all of the different functions that our roads and streets have. Um, from those ones that are quite obvious in, the, in this photo, um, like being able to um, get access to things, um, the ones that we don't immediately see when we when we have a look at the photo, like the, uh, the cafe to survive, it needs those coffee beans delivered um, uh, by often those white bands um, that, that, are, that are often out of shot. And so recognising that, um, that roads and streets have multiple different functions, um, we can understand place um, as the intersection of activity, physical form and meaning. And so uh, the example that we have here is the levee in Maitland. And the levee is a, a really interesting example because um, back in the, the 1990s, early 2000s, this was a pedestrianised street and it had high degrees of shop vacancies. And there were lots of different reasons for that. When council looked into it, it, it had to do with the, the retail hierarchy and shopping centres opening up nearby. Um, but it also had to do with the fact that there weren't that many people that lived within a walking catchment of this pedestrianised space. And so the, the potential catchment for the retail that was zoned on this street um, uh, was not enough to support um, the amount of uh, people that could access it by um, by the mode of transport um, that, was, that was here. So what did they do? Um, well, they reintroduced a level of movement that didn't exist before. So you can see how movement supports place and cars were brought in as guests into this environment, which had the effect of expanding the available catchment. So what's changed? Well, the meaning hasn't changed. It's still uh, the high street of Maitland. The activity has certainly changed um, through in part uh, a reintroduction of movement and the physical form has certainly changed. So it's a much nicer place to be. There's, uh, there's lighting at night, there's shade, um, trees, uh, there's places to stop and rest. So really a successful intervention when you can understand how all of the different aspects of place start supporting each other. And we can understand movement in relation to place. Um, so you can either move through a place without stopping, uh, you can move to and from a place, or we often call that access, um, or we can move within a place and that's often by walking. And so the example here is the Eastern Distributor in Surrey Hills. And so the Eastern Distributor um, did, did really two things. Uh, before the Eastern Distributor was put in, the through movement uh, was operating on a one-way pair arrangement through Surrey Hills on Crown Street and Burke Street. And so what the Eastern Distributor did was it took that through movement away um, from a network point of view and put it into the Eastern Distributor, um, which sort of bypasses um, those surface roads on Surrey Hills. And what that allowed over time is for the form to better match the function. And that's what the movement in place framework is all about. Understanding what the functions of different parts of the network is, and then matching the form to the function. And so uh, through persistence of um, City of Sydney, uh, road space was reallocated um, to, to match that change in network function, um, which allowed more of an emphasis on that access function or, and the within movement function uh, that Crown Street and Burke Street um, now, now play. And that has in part allowed uh, or had a big role to play in uh, creating the Surrey Hills that we all know and love today. But the project itself um, also recognised that it passed through some really important places. And so the aerial photo on the right of the screen here is um, where the uh, Eastern Distributor operates through a cutting. Um, on one side, is the domain and the, on the other side is the Botanic Gardens. So two very important places 
uh, by their own rights. And so part of the project um, was to build some land bridges, and this is one of them, um, to maintain that connection, that access um, between those two very important places. And this land bridge just so happens to be where um, we've recently built the new extension um, to the art gallery of New South Wales. But the idea of um, through, to, from and within movement plays out on the street itself, not just at the network. So if we have a look at all the successful streets or the most successful streets in New South Wales, we find that the through movement tends to happen uh, towards the centre of the carriageway. And then there's this sort of interface um, at the curbside where we, uh, where we have an access function. It might be where, where the car parking is, uh, it might be where we put our bus stops. Um, it's often where we put our cycleways in between the parked cars and the footpath. And, and cycling itself uh, is a really important to from access function um, as a mode. And then, uh, and then as we transition um, to uh, the interface of the buildings that address the street, um, we have some distinct space uh, for walking all that within movement um, that happens on the edge. And so we come into problems when um, we don't transition that through, through from within uh, types of movement uh, in, in a way that makes sense for the street. So the example here is, uh, is Parramatta Road that um, isn't doing a very good job at the moment um, from either a place or a movement point of view. You can see there's quite a hard transition um, between the through movement um, that happens right up against the footpath um, and, uh, and the interface to the buildings that address the street itself. And so when we lose that, um, that transition and that buffer, um, it creates um, a not very desirable outcome, either from a place perspective or a movement perspective. There's compromises everywhere in this shop. And so uh, the design of roads and streets um, is all about recognising that streets and roads are different. And so streets um, are, are sort of the living rooms of our cities. You know, they're, they're often what people think of when they think of a suburb or a neighbourhood or, uh, or, their, or their home. They often think of their street and they form a picture of, um, of, of, a, of a street. It's what people identify with. And the reason we have cities um, is, to, is to come together in the public spaces, which are streets. Uh, and, and roads are, are, um, almost have the, the opposite design intent. Um, they're, they're about connecting up the places and, uh, and that efficiency of movement. And if we think about our state highways, um, they, they take on um, both functions. So, so in between uh, regional towns, um, Often our state highways are those roads, you know, the, the, the primary function is, is for that through movement. But when um, a, a state highway passes through a place, um, and so this is, this is uh, Kuma here, um, often the name of that highway uh, is called something street. And you can see the form of um, not only the name, this is something we've known intuitively, right? We've, we've used the words roads and streets um, for a very long time in the way we've named our network. Um, but when, um, when, when we have a look at the way the design of the road changes and when it becomes a street, when it passes through these towns, um, we can see that it's all about mixing things together and, um, and providing for, for those safer um, interactions between all the road users. So the movement in place framework in New South Wales um, starts with those cabin and door strategies that you, that you see at the top. Um, and then it has a series of, of guides and tools and mechanisms to help us as practitioners um, really understand uh, what the different functions are of roads and streets, and then how to assess and, uh, and, and measure, design, uh, plan, operate those roads and streets. And what sets us apart in New South Wales is this framework is a whole of government framework um, that's made up of um, organisations from, from right across the New South Wales government, not just in uh, the transport um, cluster. So the design of roads and streets guide is really designed um, to support 
our Transport for New South Wales Standards Management Framework, uh, which starts with the New South Wales legislation, like the road rules um, and any requirements uh, of, of the consent authority, um, which could be local government. Um, it supports uh, Transport for New South Wales corporate policy, things like the Transport for New South Wales Road User Space Allocation Policy and Procedure. Um, it supports Transport for New South Wales standards, which include all the um, New South Wales supplements to Austroads guides. Uh, it supports Australian standards and Austroads guides, like the Austroads guides for road design. International um, guides, like the Global Street Design guides, and uh, and, and local um, uh, guidelines as well. And um, some of the best examples we have in New South Wales are things like the Western Sydney Street Design guides. And so here's all of the input that went into um, the design of roads and streets guides. You can see um, our beloved Austroads um, guides to road design in the, um, in, the, in the top left of the screen here, but also the global street design guides, the Western Sydney street design guides, the Landcom street design guides, um, uh, which is um, often, often used by developers in, um, in New South Wales. The safe systems assessment framework for moving in place practitioners beyond the pavement, um, which is in its uh, third or fourth iteration, and um, and the landscape design guidelines. So bringing together um, all of these various guidelines from many different disciplines, um, and, uh, and and showing what's appropriate to use um, in what context in New South Wales. But it goes further, and um, and and we have some mode specific guides and tools available as part of our framework as well, which the design of roads and streets refers to, um, like the walking space guide um, to tell us how wide should a footpath be, for instance, and uh, the cycleway design toolkit, and the bus priority infrastructure um, toolkit, and the freight and servicing last mile toolkit. So our Transport for New South Wales um, road user space allocation policy and procedure asks us as employees in Transport for New South Wales uh, to first understand when we're allocating road space, what is that part of the network trying to do? What is its primary function? Um, is it for primarily through movement? Um, is it primarily an, an access function part of the network? Or is it primarily to move people within a place? And once we've understood uh, that, that primary function of that, that road and street, no matter what its function is, we need to consider all road users in a particular order. So we consider walking um, of people of all abilities first, then cycling and micro-mobility, then public transport, then freight and servicing, then point-to-point -point transport, which includes taxis and, uh, and rideshare, community transport, um, and then general traffic last. And so um, that obviously means different things in different parts of the network. So um, if it's primarily a through movement corridor, the first consideration for walking um, is are we severing um, connections between local communities? And there's direct references um, to Austroads and other standards um, to help practitioners uh, interpret what we mean in the procedure. So really in New South Wales, we've come to a realization um, that we, we really have limited space in our cities and, um, and, uh, and, and we're going to have to do more with less, um, more with less space, um, more with less budget. And we know um, Treasury has been telling us for, for a while now, even before COVID, um, that our health budget is going to eclipse every other budget of any other portfolio um, in this state um, based on, um, based on pro um, forward projections uh, if we don't do anything. And so um, every agency needs to work harder um, to provide more of a growing population, um, more demand for transport uh, with, um, with uh, increasingly less space and less budget. So we can't continue doing what we've always done. Um, so we need to think of ways to um, create more efficient ways to use the limited space that we have um, to transport, um, to, to increase the capacity um, of the available space that we have. Um, 
but also have a think about uh, how we might be able to design a transport system that is healthier and uh, will have a decreasing impact um, on on people's health um, as uh, as we as as we know. So the design of roads and streets um, is is framed around um, a series of principles, and these principles were um, an amalgamation of what's in uh, um, Better Place, which is um, the New South Wales government um, urban design policy, uh, as well as Beyond the Pavement, um, which I talked about earlier, and also things like the Global Street Design Guides. So when we're designing roads and streets, we need to think about, is it a road? And so roads, as I said, are all about saving time. And for place and safety reasons, uh, we need to separate out the functions and separate out the road users um, to accommodate those higher speeds. So you can see here, this, this is uh, the Great Western Highway as it passes through Lura. And there's a very clear distinction of that, that through movement that operates in the center of that carriageway. Um, then we have some service roads that provide that access function. Um, and then going out further, there is that interface between the buildings that address that street um, and the footpath. Or is it a street? And so streets, as I said, have the opposite design intent. They're the living rooms of our cities. They're where we want people to spend time rather than save time. Um, so we need to think about how we safely mix all of the different functions that streets have and all of the different road users. Therefore, we look at lower speed environments and how we can do things more safely. So I'll now pass to Gareth, uh, who will unpack the design of roads and streets a little bit further. Thanks, Ben. Um, thank you very much. Um, I'm going to talk um, about some of the considerations uh, in, in design of roads and streets and some of the organising principles and then I'll talk a little bit about the typologies that are in the document. So the first, um, the first sort of consideration or principle is what, what um, Ben introduced, roads and streets are, are quite different. Um, roads are about movement, um, about doing it safely, um, about forgiving road, safe systems, um, Australian standards, they're about high energy environments and energy is a, is a result of speed and the mass of a vehicle. And um, in these high energy environments, there needs to be protection for um, pedestrians, for road users, and um, needs to be a safe environment. And there's a whole suite of documents that relates to, to those, those high energy environments. And then streets have a low energy environment. The speeds are lower. Um, the ability to take evasive action is, is easier. You can stop more quickly. Um, the whole uh, arrangement is a lot more um, slower and safer. And there's a whole range of design um, guidance that suits the, um, those, that, that type. So this document, Design of Roads and Streets, as well as the Global Design Guide. So there's quite a difference, but there is an overlap and there are many um, streets uh, that serve as roads and roads are the streets. And there's this kind of um, arrangement in our cities that um, has take, happened over time to create these sort of mixed environments. But the important principle here is that all these environments um, embrace uh, good design um, and an urban design approach needs to be adopted for um, all, all roads and streets. Um, the second point is that we're not looking at movement or, um, or place, we're looking at movement and place and good design is universal and we can see here uh, a higher energy motorway through one of our cities uh, and uh, two examples of that one that's designed well and one that's designed poorly and, and one has a, a sense of place to it a character and quality and the other could perhaps be anywhere in the world so it's not movement or place it's movement and place next slide then. another um, point to make is that roads and streets uh, support each other um, uh, the road environment um, creates an alternative uh, in many cases in, our, in many of our towns. So the top images of Bury and um, the, the Princess Highway bypasses Bury, and it's a well-designed environment and allows that regional traffic and higher energy speeds. And then that protects Bury itself and um, traffic and 
freight and trucks going in long long distances can bypass the town and the town is a much um, better place to, to live in and be in and the high street in Bury is a much more um, comfortable livable environment and then you can see the same with the Pacific Highway up at uh, Kempsey that um, bypass Kempsey and then changes to um, the high street in Kempsey have been made since the Pacific Highway opened and then um, the bottom example is um, is the um, Warringah Expressway, Gorehill Freeway and how that um, opened and ended up bypassing Epping Road and the changes that were made to Epping Road and that became a, a lower order uh, street accommodating buses and cycleways and, and more trees. So you can see how roads and streets are supportive and as Ben mentioned often um, where there aren't these kind of bypass arrangements then the road has to change into a street as it's going through the town and a different condition has to take place. Um, next. But um, the reason for the document is that movement in place is not always aligned and throughout New South Wales uh, in our cities and, and around the state um, we have what I call sort of the wrong road in the wrong place and um, we get this sort of incongruous outcome so you get um, a very busy six to eight lane um, major main road going through a small town like that image on the top left at, at Gladesville um, the town manages, um, the shops manage, um, but there has to be this kind of um, uh, protective aspect to it with railings and shutting shop doors and not much space for sitting out. Um, and then we have um, sort of middle order roads, sort of uh, top right Schofields Road that uh, is in, in Western Sydney and we've got a lot of housing there and access as well to um, between our major road network and this kind of very wide road environment and, a, and um, not, not a great livable environment. Um, places that uh, are in our towns near, sorry, places in our towns are near, near housing and apartments and um, little traffic islands that people have to stand on. So you can see there's this kind of um, mismatch that occurs at times. The bottom right example is a, is a local street in a New South Wales uh, small town and it looks very wide, uh, promoting a sort of a higher speed. Uh, with very few trees on it as well. So we've got this kind of uh, incongruity um, between place and um, roads and streets. Next slide, thank you. Um, so how do we organise all this and come up with a different way of thinking about roads and streets and, and more typologies? Um, well, the first um, thing to do is think about energy. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about this later. Uh, and I've already mentioned it. And at low energies and low speeds, um, we can have um, a lot more flexibility in our in, in the designs we take. We can post uh, and design at the same speed, um, and we can um, introduce trees and places that people can stop, uh, and we can create a much more um, environment conducive to to people um, sitting out, walking um, in shade and in towns in, in town centres, etc. We have this kind of zone around about 60, uh, 60 kilometers an hour, which we need to think much more about risk and context. Uh, and then above 70, we need to think about um, much more um, forgiving road environments and safe systems and posting um, uh, speeds below, um, uh, designing speeds um, above the, the posted speed. So there's kind of a different way of thinking about roads and streets. And this translates in that slide, translates into the location of trees. So I'm, lower energy environments, we can have uh, trees that are that are uh, close to the um, movement corridors and provide shade. We then need to stop, introduce some more setbacks as we get into those sort of moderate energy environments and then on motorways and main roads we need um, proper wide setbacks so if there's any errant vehicles they're able to take evasive action. Uh, next slide then. Um, and this approach to roads and streets and how we use um, plant trees and use canopy can actually contribute to um, tools such as the Sydney Green Grid uh, shown there on the top right uh, and can actually make uh, our towns and cities better places, cooler environments and that applies across New South Wales as well and, and many many towns and other cities have their own approach to, to um, tree planting in, in the, their areas. Next slide. Another organising uh, principle um, which helps us is, is the idea of context and where users, um, road, road and street users are. Um, we go from uh, dense urban centres to um, 
outskirts, enterprise zones, peri-urban areas and rural areas. And you can see in that slide how um, walking and cycling and active transport, public transport are, are much more um, uh, much more of a requirement in those dense city centres. And then as we move uh, to the broader, wider areas in our rural areas, then um, general traffic and freight and buses become um, uh, more important. Um, and things like cycling continue as well, and also walking in our town centres. But we can see how um, road users and context has a, has a strong correlation. Next slide. Yeah. So the organising principle goes back to the movement and place quadrants, and we've got four quadrants, main roads, main streets, local streets and civic spaces. Um, and that's a, a kind of conceptual idea, but how does that translate into um, how we um, introduce new typologies? Next slide. Then. So we've produced a handful of typologies um, within each quadrant. Uh, we have 21 in, in total. Uh, and the idea is they give us this much more nuanced, sophisticated approach to thinking about uh, the roads and streets that, that suit our environment, suit the, suit the context. Um, we're going to look at these over time. There's a, there's a long period of using this document and exploring it, and Ben will talk a little bit more about that lately. But I'll talk about um, and, and give you an oversight of some of these typologies in the next few slides. Next slide, then. I, I haven't talked about an analogy. Um, fairly straightforward but in the past we sort of think about streets uh, main roads and motorways it's a very um, a small range of primary colors and we're moving to a much more sophisticated um, solution where we've got a range of different ways of doing things obviously in the real world there's sort of infinite variety of how designs uh, relate to, to context but by giving um, a transport putting forward these new typologies we're giving uh, road teams, designers, um, and different authorities, a sort of a new palette to use rather than um, a very straightforward, simple um, range of types. Next slide. So these are the um, 21 as they as they stand now, and um, they they cut across the four main quadrants. I'll just go into those in a little bit more detail. Next slide. So in civic spaces, we've got um, destination high streets, so little shopping areas, we've got shopping malls, civic lanes, um, and service lanes. Next one. Local streets, we've broken those down into connector streets, enterprise streets for industry. Um, all of these are embracing the principles that Ben talked about in terms of green infrastructure and being able to move around them using all modes. We've got neighborhood, living streets, and residential streets that people live on. Next slide. Yield streets, where people have to give way to others, where space is tight, and we wanted to create this environment conducive to, to living. Residential ways, where we've got a mixture of open space and, and uh, movement and parking. Um, streets that, are, that have become parks, that have been taken over um, for local public use and, and space and residential lanes. Next, next slide. And then we move into the main street quadrant and we've got transit boulevards where we're mixing buses and light rail and general traffic and cycling, real sort of uh, um, a, a tra transit streets, a mixture. And then tra transit streets, a little bit lower scale through, through city centers and transit ways which are dedicated to one mode. Next slide. High activity, high streets on some of our um, busier road stroke streets, uh, high activity malls in, in, in city centres and connector avenues um, joining up villages and suburbs and recycling and walking. Next, next slide. And then we move on to the main roads, different main road types and we've got um, rural and peri peri-urban highways, rural links, the sort of B roads through the landscape, principal arterials, the, the, the new roads that we produce with good green infrastructure and separated active transport that provide connections to suburbs and between suburbs. Next slide. And then motorways in an urban context and motorways in that suburban and peri-urban context. Next slide, Ben.
So we've got a whole range of different road and street types that we can use, and this document puts forward um, these for consideration by projects and thinking about what's the right road for the right place. These are all supplemented by principles, um, case studies, um, dimensions, examples, good and bad, uh, from around New South Wales as to how these things uh, look, um, how they work, and um, what we've done in the past um, to give some guidance as to, as to how to um, make these different typologies a reality. And now I'm going to hand over to um, Arjen, who's going to talk a little bit more about the detail, dimensions and guidance. Thanks, uh, thanks Gareth. Um, welcome everyone. I think it's quite an exciting uh, day for several reasons. Um, it's exciting that we uh, published the design um, of Roads and Streets Guide. It's also quite exciting um, that we will be working together with practitioners from state government, local government and industry to further uh, shape the uh, guide moving forward. And certainly I believe it's quite exciting that uh, we start to acknowledge more and more that our roads and uh, streets are actually our most used and most important uh, public spaces. There are a few buts, and one is that whatever we do um, on our streets and roads, we need to make sure it's safe. The main purpose, in my view, of well-designed streets and roads is to provide safe and resilient infrastructure to the community. We've adopted, in New South Wales, we've adopted the uh, Towards Zero strategy, and we want to achieve that in 2056 there's no fatalities on our roads anymore we want to achieve that by implementing uh, the safe system um, i won't go into much detail about the safe system but the purpose of a safe system is to build a forgiving system that if people make a mistake that the uh, the outcome is not um, not uh, leading into injuries and uh, fatalities the blue box is uh, somewhat sobering if you look back longer uh, we we gained a lot and we improved uh, a lot but i still think um, that it's not uh, we are not heading in the right direction there's significantly more people uh, died on the road in the last 12 months uh, compared to the previous 12 months period and i think that's we need to keep that in mind with everything we do we need to provide safe infrastructure safety first whatever we want to achieve can we go to the next slide uh, ben and that reflects in this um, in this graph and uh, gareth already uh, already showed it but i wanted to show it again and stress again that we need to pick the right speed for the environment and the other way around and if the speed limit is 50 kilometers and under um, the focus is really on community, how the community uses the public space. If the speed limit is 70 kilometers and higher, the focus in, is on transport. We want to be able to move uh, people and freight efficiently. When the speed limit is 60 kilometers an hour, it can be either way based on the um, on, on, on the function of the road and the function on, of the uh, road sites and the environment uh, the road sits in. Um, risk is really a uh, risk management is really key in that area next slide please Ben but whatever we design we have to make sure that the users and the vehicles we want the uh, we want the uh, we want us to we, the vehicle the, the, the people and vehicles we uh, we want to allow for uh, to use the road they need to actually fit and a bus is three meters wide including the mirrors and we really need to stop expecting that a bus can drive safely on a uh, road with a lane width of 2.6 meters it physically doesn't fit and the same with park park cars and uh, delivery vehicles but also cyclists and uh, pedestrians it really needs to fit and we are always working in a constrained environment and we need to make sure that we allow enough space for each user but if we would apply these numbers uh, nothing will fit so we will need to compromise but it's about making choices and not compromising everything if we have through lanes of 2.6 meters and parking lanes of 
two meters and we want the bus to safely operate in that environment it just doesn't work we need to make choices and we might have to remove parking uh, in favor of uh, of safety next slide please ben. in the uh, in the guide for all quadrants of the uh, movement and place framework and all 21 uh, typologies we have um, we have given some uh, some values and i don't expect you to read this uh, table this is for illustrate illustration purposes and if you look at the design parameters for civic spaces the focus is really on placemaking. Walking, cycling, and access to public transport is prioritized over moving um, freight and uh, people. People can cross the street um, wherever they, uh, they want. And um, of course, freight and servicing is required, but we need to make sure that um, we allow for appropriately sized uh, vehicles. Keep in mind that if we want the fireys to um, uh, be able to attend the fire, that truck is a full-size uh, truck. Speed limit is normally um, 40 kilometers or less, and preferably even less. It's what Ben uh, explained. It's an it's a civic space. It's where cars are visitor. Next slide, please, Ben. Local streets. They have uh, still a significant um, placement, placement, uh, placemaking function, but the movement function is getting more pronounced. So still a lot of walking, cycling, and access to public transport. Pedestrians are no longer expected to cross wherever uh, they want. This is an area where we use pedestrian crossings to provide safe opportunities for uh, pedestrians to cross the roads. And normally, um, Buses and a general vehicle, general access vehicle, are not used as a uh, design vehicle, but as a check vehicle. Risk assessments are becoming more uh, important because we need to make sure that the mix we uh, design for is actually safe. Speed limits, 50 k's uh, or less. And the next, um, the next typosity is the uh, the main roads. Um, Movement in main roads are getting more and more uh, significant, but there's still quite a significant uh, placemaking function. If we want pedestrians to cross in these environments, we normally use uh, signalized uh, crossings, and general access vehicles should be used as a design vehicle, no longer uh, just as a checking vehicle. Risk assessments are more and more important because we need to make sure that the the, the mix of uses is actually safe. And like I said before, that we don't hurt, that we people don't get injured by using our uh, roads and streets. And the speed limits in these environments is normally 40, 40 to 60 kilometers an hour. And the last type of roads is the, um, is the main roads. With main roads, the focus is um, really on movement. There is placemaking, but the focus is on movement. The speed limit is normally 70 kilometers or more. This creates an, an, a different dilemma that we need to address because if the speed limit is 70 k's and we have significant movement and significant placemaking, we might want to challenge the uh, speed limit and bring it down to make it safe. To design our main roads, our um, the Ostroads Guide to Road Design applies and it means that the design speed is always 10 kilometers higher than the posted design speed. The design vehicles as, are as per specified in, uh, in Ostroads and the lane width as an example is generally uh, three and a half meters. And when the speed limit is 70 k's or over in New South Wales, we still apply the, uh, the clear zones. Back to you, Ben. Thanks, Oran. Um, I hope that's given a, um, a good understanding of um, how this how this kind of sets up what's appropriate, what, what parts of Ostroads are appropriate to use in what context in New South Wales, which is what this is all about. And uh, one of the other tools that we um, that we that we've just published alongside the design of roads and streets um, guy, uh, um, document itself uh, is a design solutions library. Um, so what this does 
and the links posted in the um, in the chat for you to, to have a look at at your own leisure. Um, what the design solutions library does is it has a look at a whole bunch of different um, uh, design solutions that might be described in Austroids or, or the Global Street Design Guides or, or, or somewhere else, and, um, and and where that treatment's appropriate to be used, in what context, in what um, in what street typology. It also gives some um, um, some examples of um, uh, high complexity, um, medium and low complexity, um, or, or, or cost um, solutions as well. And so all of these are referenced back to the relevant chapters of the Design of the Rose and Streets Guide, um, and it's and it's all based on HTML. So hopefully you'll find it very easy to navigate um, across, and you can um, and you can use this guide uh, however you like. We don't expect many people to be reading the guide cover to cover, um, but you might want to dip in and dip out. You might want to um, have a look. Well, I'm, um, I'm I'm I think I'm dealing with a um, a main street type environment, um, so you might just jump straight into that chapter. And then, and then have a look at what type um, uh, you, you might be interested in, and then have a look at some common issues um, in that type, um, and navigate over to the design solutions um, that, that help address some of the common issues that you find within that type. Uh, so we've we've published um, uh, yesterday. We've published what we're calling version 0.1. Um, so this version has been adopted as a transport for New South Wales standard to use um, as part of our standards framework um, right across New South Wales from, um, from yesterday. Um, uh, but what we, what we plan on doing is spending the next two years working with councils um, right across New South Wales to further refine and develop um, particularly those street types that are, that are on our state road network um, so that we can um, iterate and, um, and and design out those um, those chapters a bit more together. Um, so we plan on engaging with you as practitioners over the next two years as we further refine and develop um, version 1.0. And so you'll see a lot of us over the next uh, next two years as we invite you along to workshops um, and uh, and refine chapter by chapter, section by section. And what we plan on doing um, is, is using that engagement um, to inform a piece of work that Austroids um, has just kicked off, uh, which is a review of all of the Austroids um, guides in relation to all of the state and territory um, movement in place frameworks across Australia and New Zealand. Um, so this is, a, um, this is a project that's just kicked off and we're very keen um, from New South Wales perspective um, to involve councils as much as we can um, in, this, um, in this review of Austroids guides so that we can um, fill a lot of the gaps that we've heard about um, currently exist in Austroids, uh, where, we, where we might have been thinking um, of a state road type environment, um, but forgetting about 80% of the network that is local streets. And uh, if you if you're thinking about where does this fit um, in a network and um, and you're and you're looking for um, more of a, a network planning guide, well we have um, we have a network planning and precincts guide as well available on our website that outlines um, uh, a set of principles for how we go about uh, planning um, networks in both greenfield and brownfield development um, before we go into the design of roads and streets. Um, so the two are, are sort of sister documents in our framework. If you'd um, uh, like to, um, to learn more, we have a series of six e-learning modules on our website. Just navigate to the learning hub from our, from our homepage. Um, they're free um, for anybody. If you're a Transport for New South Wales employee, we encourage you to log on to Transport Equip um, so that um, it can appear on your learning, learning record as well. And we've also partnered with uh, University of Technology Sydney um, to, uh, who, are, who are doing a one-day uh, course after you've done the e-learning. Uh, and so there's, there's dates available now on the, on the UTS Open website. So we encourage you um, to jump on to moveinplace.nsw.gov.au on our website. Um, sign up, up to our mailing list so you can keep informed. Um, as we uh, spend the next two years engaging with you uh, as we refine the guide 
and the link to the e-learning modules um, is there as well. presentation and uh, my name is Amy Knowles I'm the Austroads Transport Network Operations Program Manager and I just wanted to congratulate you all and all the whole TFNSW team on this project and, and publishing the design guide and all these great resources online. Um, as you know at Austroads our members are at Austroads our members are road managers across Australia and New Zealand and they've, they're working in a very diverse range of environments and and communities and they've really confirmed to us how useful a movement and place-based approach is to deal with these problems there's been explained how to deal with more with less space and less budget so we're very pleased to have this project currently underway to update up guide to traffic management on movement and place planning it's going to be heavily influenced by the great work done in new south wales and hopefully published next year but but a, i'm pleased to tell you there's a lot of questions about your presentation today i don't think we'll be able to get through all of those questions but I'm going to start with one that um, I think is a really interesting question and it is, um, I'm also going to headline that it might be useful to go to the slide, the second question on the different capacities of roads with um, uh, one, you know, the, the slide showing so many people, um, so 12,000 people with cars versus 24,000 people with fewer cars. So that'll be my second question. So the first, um, the first question I'll raise is the question is, how, is there any guidance on how one should transition from one street environment to another so that a motorway doesn't empty directly into a civic place or a local street but transitions for a connector road? So how, how do you make sure people can understand those transitions? I'm not, I'm not sure who would like to answer that one. Uh, well, I, I'll, um, I'll start and I'm, I think Ben and Ben might have some comments as well. Um, it's obviously not a good uh, situation for one uh, um, major typology to go into such a different <laughs> typology and um, that's probably why a lot of our um, the motorway sort of linkages that we're building at the moment um, the the idea is that we plan out our own network so we create sort of a, a logical sensible hierarchy and, and um, we get one um, road connecting into another and they're reasonably close in that kind of typology typology scale um, but that would be a very particular issue where we've got such a major road going into such a small road and that would be a design issue I think rather than a sort of typology issue and, and, and I think it's worth remembering that this this is only a, a guide to help us do things the actual bulk of the of the thinking and the work we do is is a design process okay thank you Gareth uh, is it possible to go to the slide where we have a comparison of the different capacities of the routes? Maybe if you could tell us which which number it was, Ben, that might be good. Or if you're, you're yes, I think I'm there. Am I still sharing my screen? Yep. I, I, I believe I believe this is this is the one. Is that is that correct? Um, that's the one. Yes. Yeah, so the question was, what an amazing slide. How does this work? Could you please talk through the numbers a bit more? Yeah, so this is this has been doing the rounds um, for, for a little while. It's um, it's it's actually adapted from um, uh, originally a NACTO uh, graphic in, in North America, and um, was was recently adopted in the National Road Safety Strategy, um, and and then subsequently adopted. Um, in our future transport strategy, which was um, which was published in New South Wales um, recently, so um, so so what it what it looks at is um, is, is it, it, it was originally based on on work that Jeanette did in um, uh, when she was leading the um, the uh, Department of Transport in, in New York, um, and uh, and they. Um, did a lot of work to 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 measure um, uh, the before and after um, capacities of, of streets and not, not just the theoretical capacity but the actual um, as used capacity when they reallocated space for um, you know bus infrastructure and cycling and widened footpaths and, and and things like that and so it's um, 
uh, it, it's it's been replicated a, a, around the world since um, since about 2007 to 2009 when she was working in New York. Um, and so, so this is this is a version adapted for Australia, um, and, and you see, um, but it looks at the capacity of each of each lane capacity per hour. Um, so by by lane, it's it's um, the equivalent amount of space that you have within the road reserve, um, and um, and how you can um, and, uh, and 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 how efficient that use of space is um, when um, when you can reallocate space to more efficient um, uh, uses. Thank you, Ben. Um, I've got a, a question here. Um, someone's asking for, I guess, a practical example of a, one of the projects you've worked on where there were limited, was limited space and budget, and obviously competing movement of place priorities. I imagine that's probably most, uh, most projects, but could you maybe explain how you managed to get those good movement of place outcomes in that scenario? What do you think would be important in that scenario? Yeah, so, so the message the message here, and, and and we talk about a little bit in in chapter in chapter twelve of um, the guide. The message here is you don't need a lot of money. That's what, what we've found in in COVID is is road space allocation is um, uh, can be as simple as a as a as, as a bit of paint and um, and and, um, and and some signs, right? Um, we we found we found in New South Wales during COVID um, when we when we built our, uh, um, kilometres of pop up cycleways right across New South Wales um, that we were able to 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 um, put those those cycleways in um, in the in the space of um, weeks or, or, or days um, with um, very um, uh, very condensed um, uh, kind of planning and design. Uh, schedules, and, uh, and 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 the reason we could do that is is because they were put in um, not as permanent uh, uh, solutions, but as but as trials to to see what would happen. Um, much much like what they were doing in New York back in in two thousand and um, two thousand and eight, and and so um, we're we're starting to encourage this um, as the normal way of doing things now, rather than spending years of um, of, of design and, and, and modelling and um, spending um, lots lots of money in the in the planning and design stages. Um, better than any model is to is to see how it works. Let's just um, let's just trial it as a temporary way. Um, make sure that we're measuring things um, like uh, like what we're doing on on, on this, this image to, to to see what's working and what's not, and then um, and then making permanent. The things that that does um, uh, the, the measures that that, is, that are working, we can always remove the measures that, that don't work. Um, so so plenty hundreds of examples um, now across New South Wales of that approach, um, both from from the pop up cycleways program as well as um, uh, our COVID response measures um, with with widened footpaths. As well as things like the Streets as Jed Spaces program, um, and if you work for a council, I hope you're familiar with that program. Um, as well as things like Your High Street, um, they mainly deal with a, a certain typology. Though. Also, Ben, um, it's it's a little bit more involved, but not major engineering. Identifying what typology, uh, and if it's a low energy environment, we can introduce. Uh, more street trees and more canopy, and that changes the environment of the road or street significantly. Um, so that's something that can be done as sort of moderate scale of uh, intervention. And uh, and and one of the useful tools I'll just reiterate is um, is that design solutions. So so you can search that design solutions library and and toggle on. Um, I, I'm only interested in um, the low complexity. Projects and, and you can use that as code for low cost. Um, so I, I don't have a lot of money. What can I do? That's low complexity, um, and it'll just it'll just bring up and, and you can search the typology that you think um, your street's on, and it'll come up with a whole bunch of design solutions that fit that criteria. Thank you, Ben. And I guess it, um, it sounds like there's just so much there for everybody to work through and have a look at. And I presume it's going to be evolving over time as well. Um, 
look, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't think we have time for any more questions today, but I guess what we would normally say is we'll, we'll try and follow up with all of the um, questions um, later on. I'm just going to pass over to, thank you all once more for what a great presentation today. I'm going to pass over to Ekaterina. Um, thank you very much, everybody. Um, amazing presentation, um, very interesting. I only have a couple of slides to finish the session. Um, before you, um, before we let you go, um, a quick note uh, about our future webinars. We have four sessions coming up. Um, in those sessions, we will cover um, a variety of projects and subjects. So to find out more about each of them, please uh, visit our website um, and register. Uh, and as we um, close out today's session, uh, a questionnaire will pop up on your screen. Please take a couple of minutes to send us your feedback. It really helps us to know what you liked or didn't like about the session and what um, suggestions you have for future webinars. Once again, today's webinar has been recorded uh, and we will send you the link uh, to the recording when it's published on our website. Thanks again, everyone. Stay well and safe um, and enjoy the rest uh, of your day.